Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hello and welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of the Vox Media podcast ecosystem. You're locked in now. I don't think that should be the tagline, but I thought I would try it out. Hi, I'm Neil. I'm your friend. Dieter is in New York with me again. Again? What? Why? How? Well, we're going to find out Ooh. why. Paul remains in Washington State. <laughs> Hello. How's it going? It's good. Sort of like both a lot going on and then medium. Going, yeah, August. <laughs> August is going on. Yeah. But you're in New York. I am. Because you reviewed a big phone. A huge phone. The Samsung Galaxy Note 10 Plus. Plus what? Plus, just plus. <laughs> plus means big. So uh, a, a big phone, uh, both in, in stature. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, in import in the history. It's one of the flagships, the classic flagships of yeah. our time. It, it, it's always led the way of the, the, the biggest and the most powerful and the most stylist phone. Yeah. And only uh, one of those three things uh, is unique to the Note anymore. So this was like uh, I was watching your review of the phone. Yeah. You, like, struggled with it because the – I mean, this has been the sort of the muscle car of the, the flagship phone world for yeah. the longest time. Yeah. I mean, it's like the phone that, like, if any phone was going to have, like, a like a serial port, <laughs> you know, like, it would be this one. Uh, but they actually took the headphone jack out. They took out. the headphone jack out, yeah. So it's kind of, like, not that anymore. I don't, a lot of phones have caught up to its specs. Yeah, so, like, the, the big one this year has been the OnePlus 7 Pro, and I know a lot of people are almost getting tired of hearing about it, but... It is that good for, I think it's like 750 bucks, and its big thing is it has a pop-up selfie camera and a screen refresh rate of 90 hertz. But in addition to that, it also curves, and it also just looks really, really good. Uh, so the Note doesn't beat that uh, in terms of refresh rate, but it does beat it in, I think, overall screen quality. Uh, but there are other phones that um, have the same processor. Like Sam the Note doesn't differentiate itself on processor anymore. Um, all of the late-year uh, phones like the the Note and the Pixel are going to suffer from this for a while till Qualcomm changes its cadence. There are other big screen phones. Uh, there are other just nice, well-made phones. Uh, chief among them, if you want a big phone that's well-made and just nice to hold and use, uh, there is the uh, Samsung Galaxy S10 Plus, which is 5% not as nice as the Note, 5% smaller, doesn't have a stylus, and costs anywhere from you know two to $350 less depending on the discount How is it 5% not as nice? There's just like really subtle things about the the bezels, 
there's some aesthetic choices. Like, do you prefer the curved corners of the notes, sort of like hard 90-degree corners? And I, I, I personally prefer the the iPhone copy and camera placement just down the, the row in a pill mm-hmm. that the note does rather than the, the block, you know? Yeah. It's mostly like subtle aesthetic things, uh, but you can kind of feel it. I mean, I, pr- I much prefer having the front camera cut out in the center than on the side. Yeah, and the front camera cutout, this is not a thing I like made a big deal about in the review, either on YouTube or on TheVerge.com. It's smaller. It's like, I think it's, they said it's 25% smaller or something. Wow. So I did mean that it, they, they changed the, the, the F-stop on it. Whatever, it's still, I think it's still fine. Um, but because it's smaller, it's even less intrusive. So uh, on other phones with notches or cutouts, uh, I'm more likely to like expand the video, see the cutout and go, and then bring it back down again. On this one, I'm much more likely to expand it full screen. And even though there's a little dot over on the left-hand side, I don't care. Yeah, the screen is larger. The screen is huge. So, it's 6.8 so, inches. So ratio-wise, you yeah. would win even if the dot wasn't small. What's the aspect ratio of the screen? Squarish. Squarish. <laughs> it's, 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 it's more square than your average rectangle. So at 6.8, it's actually bigger than a, a narrower phone would feel at 6.8. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. And it's about the same size. The Note 10 Plus is the Note. They should have called it the Note 10 and called the little one the Note Mini because the Note 10 Plus mm. is about the same size as the Note 9. But the screen is like half an inch bigger because they got rid of the rest of the bezels. Sorry to the iPhone XS and presumably the iPhone something something Pro, whatever they're going to call it this year, but this screen looks more like the future than any notch cutout ever will. Yeah, because it goes like it goes more edge to edge even than uh, the iPhone does, and uh, the not the the cutout for the camera is so small. When you're on a phone call, if you're like on you know you pull the phone away from your head, you can actually see the tiny little dot underneath the screen glowing that's looking, you know, to do the proximity sensor to turn the screen on and off for phone calls. Really? It's pretty cool, Mm. yeah. So, like, all of these cutouts have, there's, like, certain things that can be fit underneath an OLED screen. And some of them put it under there and some of them haven't. And Apple hasn't. And then eventually they could start packing more stuff underneath the screen if they wanted to. So, I mean, that was going to be my question. The iPhone, the reason for the notch that we we are consistently told Mm -hmm. is it's not just a camera. Right, there's like the infrared beam yep. thing. There's a bunch of stuff. There's right. the proximity sensor. Yep. There's the the other camera for the flood illuminator. Yep, the, all the stuff. Yeah. that so, makes Face ID go. I mean, it's it's just like physics, you know. Like you you'll never get anything uh, behind an LCD because an LCD is like there's the panel there. Yeah. Right? But OLEDs are theoretically transparent if you want them to be because they're handle the colors themselves. But there are prototypes of people getting, like, pretty low resolution cameras behind there, like enough like it's in that they can build an image out of it. But something like a proximity sensor, you know, just like a little tiny little infrared beam or, you know, a little laser or something, uh, that's pretty easy to, like, shine through and get data out of if you're shining it through a screen. A proximity sensor that, like, illuminates, you know, your face or that needs to gather a ton of information is probably way harder. But if you're just trying to get like a one point of information, am I up to an ear or not? You could totally put that behind the screen. And then obviously the fingerprint sensor is behind the screen. Fingerprint sensor behind the screen. Uh, it is about the same size as the S10. They haven't changed it. They did position it higher on the phone, so it's a little bit easier to hit. It's still about the same speed, which is like 
a half a tick slower than you want it to be, but still, for me, it's fine. Uh, so I didn't really make a big hash of it because it's it's there. It works pretty well. Um, I wish it was slightly better. I wish it was a, as big as on the OnePlus 7 Pro. But one of the things I went through with reviewing this phone is there's a whole pile of things. Like, it's really nice. It's really fast. The fingerprint sensor is here. Dex exists. <laughs> um, like, there's a, whole, there's a whole series of things to say about the phone that you would say about any other phone. But to my mind, none of them should affect your purchase decision. You should not buy this phone for Dex, but you should not not buy this phone because Dex is like meh. You should probably not buy this phone because it has a big ass screen. Because you can get other phones that have big ass screens that are 100, 200, 300 bucks less. You know, I'll I'll judge all the things. I'll say yes, it's beautiful. Yes, it has a great screen. It's fast. Battery life is good. All that stuff. But it turns out that none of that stuff should actually drive your purchasing decision because it's all available in other phones in some way, shape, or form. The only thing that's not anymore is the stylus. Yeah. How's the stylus? It's good. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's a stylus. Like someone Sam- sent us that graph. It's like eighty percent of Vergecast is Dieter saying it's fine. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like look, it, the, cool. Samsung uh, made OCR uh, usable and uh, actually functional on Samsung Notes. Uh, I wish that you know you could pick another Note app to be the screen off thing. They've already got that deal with Microsoft. It seems likely that they wouldn't be that hard to have it connect up to OneNote, but. Whatever. Um, but the fact that you can search your scribbles and that it's easy to, like, export text or convert it to text inside notes means that uh, you just feel a little more confident using the screen off memo uh, because you know that, that you're going to be able to get to that note later. Um, and everything else that the stylus does, the wand stuff and even the, like, the AR doodle stuff, is they're, they're fun. They're gimmicks. And then you'll, you'll, you'll use them twice. You'll impress a nerdy friend and you'll be done. Can you give me a practical example of the, like, OCR, like, start to finish? Like, like really actually being an effective part of your notes workflow and not feeling like uh, something that you have to shoehorn in. Yeah, we're hanging out, we're talking, and you're like, oh, Dieter, you should totally read this book by Werner Vinge. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll take a note. And I'll write Paul, book, Werner, and then I'll put put it away and we'll keep talking. And then a week from now, I'm like, oh, Paul, something, something. And then I can just search for the word Paul. Search what? Search Samsung Notes using the on-screen okay. keyboard. Search for the word Paul. It will find Paul, and then I will see what the note was, and then I'll be able to go buy the book. So you now need to be a user of Samsung Notes to retrieve these sorts of things. Yeah. So that's a bummer because Samsung Notes is, you know, it's a Samsung app. So you didn't, like, can you get it on your desktop? I doubt it. Like, there's all that Dex, stuff. dude. Except for Dex. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Uh, so I was reading your review. Yeah. And we should this we should talk about the stylus a little bit more. But I was reading your review. Mm-hmm. The description of you trying to use Dex is like it was maddening and bad. The PC version wasn't very good, and then when it did work, it was still bad. And I, <laughs> and I understand, like in the review, you know, you don't want to like overdo it. Yeah. But in this context, I uh-huh. think you should overdo it. Just unpack the the badness of this because you were really excited. Uh, I was really excited. Uh, so Dex can run up to five apps on the screen at a time inside its like desktop type window on on the thing, and that it works pretty well. Like it's not super fast. Like it's as fast as you'd expect Android to be. Uh, once you start have it, having it open for a while, like things start to lag, and you can kind of feel it. Wait, let's stop for one sec. Yeah. Just explain what Dex is and what's okay, supposed sorry, to do so when, you, when you connect it to a computer. Previously, Dex only lets you like plug your phone into a monitor, and then you got a desktop interface in your monitor. You like connect up your own Bluetooth uh, keyboard and mouse, and then you've got like a little mini computer that's running off your phone. It's the dream, right? Well, no one does that. 
No one has a monitor that they carry around or whatever. So Samsung made apps for Mac and Windows that take that experience and put it on your computer, on the thing you actually use. So if there's stuff that you want to get off of your phone or do on your phone, you just plug it into your computer and then you've got a, like a this wacky little, you know, other computer sitting in a window inside your computer that is actually your phone, and you can, like, copy a link from your computer browser to your Dex browser and inside the S10, and then when you open it up, it's, like, it's the same app, and so it's there. You can use your phone at the same time uh, as Dex is open, uh, which is kind of funny. So, like, you could be scrolling Instagram on your phone while you're, like, using the Samsung internet browser in Dex. Oh, my God. Because it can run multiple apps at the same time because it's, like, it has 12 gigs of RAM. <laughs> This is a powerful phone. <laughs> okay. It is wickedly powerful. But then if you, you – it can't run it on both. So if you're like, I want to open Instagram and Dex, it will pop up a thing saying, we can do this if you want, but we got to restart the app because, you know, Android. Yeah. Um, and then you it does. resize one window, so we have to, like, <laughs> close this app and restart it. And on the experience on Windows, actually, like, that's it. It's like – it's a little bit slow. If you try and drag and drop more than, like, three files at a time, it just looks like, I'm sorry. So it's just <laughs> it like a up. Windows EXE, like, go get it off the Samsung site. You're, like, yep. good to go. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, same thing with the Mac, except it is doing something relatively deep into, like, the innards of the Mac. Whenever you install a Mac app and it has an uninstall program, yeah, yeah, yeah. in addition mm. to an install program, you know that it's doing something, right? Um, and on my Mac in particular, the keyboard just never worked <laughs> with Dex. Um, and I was going to blame <laughs> Samsung for this, except uh, I don't think I should because I <laughs> because also I run, a, I run a bunch of kernel <laughs> extensions, right? Yeah. I like I remap my caps lock key. Uh, and so what this tells me is my kernel extensions were overriding Samsung's kernel extensions. This is why I described it as a fiasco because yeah. – it's doing stuff. And then there's also, on both platforms, there are vague and confuting warnings about the Android file transfer app, which is itself uh, a fiasco of software that Google needs to, like, do something about because it's it's a really bad Java app on, on both computers. And Samsung needs it to be able to do drag and drop, but it also needs it to not take over your, the communication between your phone and the computer, right? So it has to be there. So it, it has the tools it needs to transfer files. But it also can't be there because it'll keep Dex from working. <laughs> like, and you just like <laughs> – you have to go through this dance. Like, is it installed? Yes. Is it picking – nope. Th th okay, now it's working. I just feel like the, what you're describing is you shouldn't try to make one computer run inside of another but computer. when it works, it's super fun. And, like, it's convenient. Like, you said this yourself. Using – uh, WhatsApp, Signal, text messages from Android to a computer is a crappy experience because you have to open up a tab in a web browser and scan a QR code and who knows if it'll stick and blah, 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 blah. Or you have to go crazy and use some wacky Chrome extensions that read all of your notifications. On Windows, it's a very similar experience. They do have the Your Phone app, which I personally think is not ready for prime time yet, but it's there. And so just like screw it. I'm going to use my phone on my computer is like there's something compelling there. It's just very badly executed. So here's what I don't understand. Samsung owns the phone. Yep. They've written the app. They have. Why? Like, I mean, they can just, like, rewrite Android sort of at will to make sure it works here. Oh, I don't think that Dex is bad because Android. I think Dex is bad because they're not good at making Windows and Mac apps. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then my other question is why it requires a wire. Well, come on. Yes, of no. course it does. Well, no. I mean, that's not, like, such a come on. I mean, like... I don't know. Google just announced a service that lets you play video games over the internet. Yeah. I feel like 
I want to look at a WhatsApp window on my phone can be accomplished over a Wi-Fi network. Okay, yeah, they would need to build a pretty hefty infrastructure for that, or they would need to come up with— um, Wait, why But why do they—to do a VNC window over, over Wi-Fi? I mean, that's, like, what they, this thing is, they could, right? Basically, yeah, they could, but I suspect that the best technology available to Android to accomplish that goal that you're describing, there's two. There's Cast— and there's Miracast. <laughs> so I just don't you, you worry. <laughs> Samsung supports both. Yeah, I just want you to like <laughs> complete the thought that you started. And the end of that thought is you have a window on your computer that is a it's your phone. Miracast display of your phone, and then it also is sending and it can commands over Bluetooth. And I just. There's something about that where it's like, you know what? I have my computer. If I have my computer, the chances that I happen to have a USB cable near me is, like, pretty high. So just plug it in. Yeah, I, I feel in all this, I just feel like in, in Samsung world, like, they make laptops. Yep. They make phones. They make charging docks. It seems to me like they could make a system where you, like, you sit down at your Samsung laptop. You put your phone in your cool Samsung wireless charger. Yeah. It knows it's in that charger. It, it does like, a thing. It does a thing. Yeah, it yeah. Connect, it, you know, it does like a, a, a Wi-Fi direct connection to your computer, and then you've got a little... Yeah. Instead of what appears to be like, do you remember Parallels? We've built that, but it's your phone <laughs> with the... It's like, it's just, it's so, it's like, it's definitely one step in the wrong direction. Yeah. But like towards the right goal. I don't know yeah. how to describe that exactly. It's, it's just a, it's a like jump they, to the they left. Can, they're like, we want to go over there, so we've chosen to go down. And it's like that... I was going to do a whole Rocky picture show <laughs> time warp <laughs> metaphor here, but we're going to let that one go. <laughs> Dex is the Rocky horror picture show. I'm fine with that too. <laughs> Not to be too much of a Huawei shill, but I I was talking Chinese about Chinese agent week. Paul Miller is on the show today. <laughs> But like harmony, like this is the idea with these like weird things in Harmony OS and Fuchsia. Like this idea that you have files that you want to view from multiple machines, you, you know. Yeah. And so ideally, the ideal thing is that your phone and your laptop do the minimum amount of work conceivable to keep yeah. up a file that is, let's say, a history of WhatsApp chat. Keep that file securely but instantly synchronized between your laptop and your phone. And then you have an app on your Mac or Windows PC that can view that file. And then you obviously have WhatsApp on your on your phone that can view that file as well. Like that sort of synchronization of, of, of the minimum amount. Instead, obviously, what Samsung is doing is synchronizing the maximum amount, which is an entire virtual screen. <laughs> Display, yes. Um well, it's funny because I was joking with Dieter. It seems like Apple could pull this off. Like you have an iPhone and you like sit down and you plug it into like a dock with like a special Apple chip. And then you're like $25,000 Apple calibrated monitor lights. And, but then that would have to be a touchscreen. <laughs> yeah. will never let you do that. <laughs> but like it seems very obvious that you could do the thing where you turn an iPad into – or an iPhone into an iPad very easily. Right. Yeah. And as we know, the iPad is the future of all computing. Well, as I as I tease in uh, my review video, I'm doing a processor episode on this. Um, and like, here's I'll, I'm not gonna give you the whole story, but like, here's the thing. I told you like finish the thought, and mm -hmm. then once you finish the thought, it's bad. Yeah. And that's I think that's the problem with this across every attempt that's that there has been. You think of it like, oh, this would be great, and then you build it, and then it turns out that oh no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. But like. It's so funny because they could optimize it for, like, the four apps people want, which is basically a, a, the messaging app. Yeah. Like, you really want that on your laptop. Mm -hmm. Make that work. 
and then a handful of social networking apps that are somewhat more limited. Well, that's that's Microsoft's move, right? Yeah, and pretty much. Let's but take the core functionality and make it work on Windows. So that so that's really interesting about this phone is it's the first sort of like Samsung plus Microsoft flagship Samsung phone. Yep. That means there are three three email clients on it, <laughs> yeah. which is a, a delight. <laughs> Did you get a sense when you were reviewing the phone, talking to Samsung or anybody, um, that this is the Microsoft stuff will eventually replace the Samsung stuff? No. They're just I mean, because why? It's Samsung. Yeah. We'll just glue more stuff onto it. Yeah. But like I, I, it could. Sure. It could. If like Microsoft could sell a Microsoft edition of this and they could get rid of Samsung stuff and put their stuff on it. Uh, but I, I get no sense that they're ever going to get like so in bed with each other that uh, that will be the way Microsoft takes on Google by like hijacking replacing, Android, hijacking Android it, on Samsung. But that would be the game to play. Like that's the thing yeah. that makes it really interesting to me. Like they can't – there's no way Microsoft is going to get what it wants out of Apple in terms of integrating – Right. The phone with Windows, right? It's not going to get it because Apple has its own computers to sell. Fine. That's like makes rational sense. They hate Google. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there's a very natural tie up there, but they hate each other. Yeah. So that's not going to happen. Yeah. But if Samsung's in the middle. But Samsung's in the middle. Samsung wants to distance itself a little bit. Yep. And maintain its own destiny. They make a win- they they literally make Windows PCs. I guess they also make Chromebooks. Yeah. They're Samsung. They make refrigerators and nuclear Samsung reactors. Samsung makes the only Android tablets uh, the worth a damn that you can buy in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. But it but it seems like if Microsoft wants to be in mobile, the place to go is the number one seller of Android phones, at least in the United States. Yeah, and like get real close to them and say, let us do a bunch of the stuff you want to. Like, you just go ahead and stop making a web browser. Have you heard of Edge? Right? They could just do that with Samsung. Yeah, they could. But you don't think that's ever going to happen? I don't think so. I think Samsung um, feels like it needs to provide a, if not equivalent, like parallel ecosystem to what like Apple users can get. And I think it's uh, thinking about uh, Samsung selling phones in the U.S. market actually is a little bit tunnel visiony. I think that especially stuff like Samsung Health and like even some of their like other like you know weird Samsung cloud service stuff. Uh, I think that there they do actually have some kind of user base for that internationally, or especially in Korea. And they're not just going to drop that. Also, frankly, like there's too much money in stuff like Samsung having its own web browser. Like you open up Samsung Internet and you go to like a page that sells some stuff, and there's a pop up that's like, "Hey, you want to, you want, you want us to help you out here? <laughs> you want a little help?" <laughs> like Bixby's like waving a credit card. <laughs> Try the Bixby card. <laughs> oh my God! What if Samsung launches a credit card? I'm sure they already have. They have like an insurance division. Yeah, they're Samsung. Yeah. Oh, man. Of course they have a financial services division. But it, what, instead of a titanium, it'll be made out of – well, not magnesium. It'll be <laughs> – Just another metal. Just, <laughs> just another like close metal. but no cigar. <laughs> it turns out they made it out of lead and didn't realize it. Whatever the back <laughs> of this note, I, I, I do not want to ever spend $1,000 on a phone, hopefully for my whole life. But, but well, I, Paul, you don't have to on the note. It's, it's $1,100. Oh, <laughs> but, but I want the back of the note. I want, a, I want a phone. That- In a changing industry, <laughs> Samsung technology enables financial professionals to serve customers anywhere, reimagines a bank, bank branches for a mobile world, and safeguards every solution with defense-grade mobile security. Like, it's Samsung. Yeah. They already thought about, like, what if we were a bank? <laughs> they can't help themselves. I'm just saying, make a credit card. <laughs> they make ATM machines. Make a credit card that looks like the back of the note, and I will go into so much debt. Oh, yeah, that's oh, true. The back God. of the note does look pretty. The, of the uh, the Aura Glow 
color, yeah. which is one that they are giving out to everybody. It also comes in black and white and blue, which are mm. boring. I think I got cut, but I originally was going to – I kept on referring to it as Hollow Taco instead of Aura Glow because Hollow Taco is um, the name of a really sparkly nail polish from a, a, a YouTube influencer, nail influencer, um, that has hmm. it just – it's in my life. Yeah, I get it. Um, and uh, she's got this whole line of her own nail polish called Hollow Taco. It's pretty good. And I just have been calling it Hollow Taco getting corrected for like a week and a <laughs> half. It's <laughs> funny. You should send one to her. You should do a com- – that's the next YouTube video. Oh, yeah. You're going to do this high-minded thing about phones turning the computer. No, no, no. <laughs> Straight collab. up collab <laughs> with a nail influencer. Get it done. I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, if, if I'm going to assign one thing on the show, it's that. <laughs> uh, so real quick, uh, finish the finish the style slot. It's, it is, it's the reason to get the phone. Is it worth it now? If you are not a stylist stan, then absolutely not. Uh, but if you love the stylus, uh, if you are already into the idea of writing with a stylus and pointing at you know pointing at stuff and interacting with the phone with the stylus, um, it's worth it if you got like a Note Seven or earlier, right? Yeah, got, as usual. Right? Yeah. Um, no, wait. The Note Seven was the Fire mm-hmm. Note. Well, so it's definitely worth you to have a Note Seven. <laughs> it's time to upgrade. Put that out there. It's one of those. Yeah, I will say uh, the thing that surprised me the most was Samsung's uh, built-in uh, video editor. You would not expect Samsung to make a good video editor, and they they totally did. If you're a YouTuber, this is not going to be the thing you do. And it does have like the cringy like background music that you can add to it automatically mm-hmm. and whatever. But for like. I want to string these four clips together. I want to edit these clips, and I want to put just like a dissolve between them and then put it on the internet. It's great. And manipulating all of that stuff with a stylus is way better than doing it with your fingers. Yeah. So. All right. I'm getting a Note, a note 10. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be great. You should think about getting the smaller one. Yeah, you love the smaller one. I love the smaller one. It has less RAM, and the screen is only 1080. It's just like imagine a Galaxy S10 but just a little bit wider. So it's small. That, what a confusing product. Yeah, I know, but it's $950, and I think— That's a lot of money. I know. Like, if you have $950, you also have $1,100. That's fair. I think that, um, yeah, that's fair. Right, like, if you're already at, like, I'm going to spend $950 on this flagship phone, like, but there might you're be, the sort of person who's like, I'm going to wait another 20 minutes to make that buck 50. Do you think there are people that really want a stylus and do not want a gigantic phone? They just want a pretty big phone. Maybe. That's the question. But they— I am actually, like, close to being in that camp. I just don't want a stylus that badly. I definitely bought a Note 10, pre-ordered one, and then I was like, this is dumb. I have a Galaxy S10 that I like, and I canceled my pre-order. What's the size difference between the little Note and the S10 Plus? It's smaller. It's smaller. than the S- it's, it's probably about the same width or a little bit wider. I haven't looked at them side by side personally, even though we should have because we had them all sitting on a table, and I'm an idiot. Uh, but it's not as tall. You know what the S10 Plus has? Uh, an extra camera? I don't know what. A headphone jack. Headphone jack. This is true. Same. Yeah. There's a literal silo. There's a hole, a tube down the center of this phone. Uh But there's not a tube for your headphones. That's true. Is there – what's the Bixby situation? It's there. I didn't see it in the review. You did not. (laughs) I mentioned in the video. It's like there. There's a single power button. There's not a Bixby button. You can map it to – you can map double press to camera. You can map single press to Bixby or not. You can't map anything to Google Assistant. And you can put yourself in the situation where it's sort of like the iPhone where, like, all the buttons do stuff other than, like, turn the phone off. So, like, you can map long press to Bixby and double press to camera, and then you want to turn the phone off and you don't know how. And, like, it has to, like, pop up instructions telling you how to turn the phone off. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, it's a th- like that's what happens when you put too much work into a single button. And um, I don't think Samsung handled it super well. 
Uh, but at least there's a couple of configuration options. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Apple handles it super well either, to be honest. So, But I, I, Apple never wants you to, like, turn off your phone. Well, neither does Samsung. Fair. Yeah. But Android. Well. Just put, sometimes you got to restart that thing. <laughs> um, it's, just a, it's just a fact. If you know, if you ship a phone with an operating system and you're like, Yep, in our hearts, we know that every so often you should restart this operating yeah. system. We should make it easier to restart. So oh, Android used to not have, a like, a reset button on the power yeah. button. Like, it pops up the menu saying power off, reset, something, something. They're like, no, we're not doing it. And then they did it for two years, and then finally they like, brought it back. I'm like, yeah, we know. People want that's Sorry. We'll do it. I, I, I don't know. I have a bunch of Android devices in my life. Mm -hmm. I reset them every so often. They work really well. Yeah. Then after a while, I'm like, Got to reset this. <laughs> I guess it's time to reset my television. It's like a thought that I've had. I have an Android TV. Yeah. It's uh, super Android. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, okay. So I want to talk about another thing Samsung did this week. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think, I think it signals something important. Okay. Which is we have now arrived at like a cultural recognition that iMessage has creates a chasm in society. Yeah. Especially the, the society of the United States. If you're in Europe or whatever, like mm -hmm. you're using some uh, third-party available on every platform messaging app. Yes. This isn't your problem. If you're in the United States, there, there are green bubbles and blue bubbles. Yep. I would say that uh, any conversation we have about green bubbles and blue bubbles, Ashley and Caitlin have had a better one on why did you push that button already. So yes. Like, I just want to make that clear. that They've done this in, in far more depth. Uh, but Samsung this week put out, like, GIFs mm -hmm. where the, the green bubbles violently attack the blue <laughs> bubbles. Yeah. So that when you get shamed in your cross-platform texts about being a green bubble, you can be like, but my green bubble is a snake that has devoured you. <laughs> like, you should go look at them. It's hard to describe these bubbles. One of them, uh, there's a blue bubble, and it looks like panicked or nervous, and then a green bubble erupts from its back. <laughs> like, a, like, a, like that. I don't know what else to say about what is happening. And, like, why would you send that to someone? But they did it because yeah. I, we're just now definitely at a point where it's a problem for companies that they know that teenagers shame each other for having green bubbles. I don't think that's cool for teenagers to do. I want to be really clear about that. But there's, like, a million reasons that it happens, and Samsung is aware of them, and they're trying to, like, give you some cultural ammunition to fight back. I'm yeah. probably reading too much into this and po possibly also becoming part of the problem by saying this, but a lot of these gifts imply that the green bubble is more powerful because it can take over, yes. right? But from a technical yeah. point of view, the green bubble ha has a strict subset of the functionality of the blue bubble. So it is. It, it is a lie. No, no, I, no. I can, I, I, I can fight okay. you on this. Oh God! I don't want to, <laughs> but I'm gonna. Okay, so you are correct, right? By saying the the green bubble mm -hmm. signifies SMS. Mm -hmm. No read receipt. And also, a, also SMS is not also, a subset of iMessage, right? It's a parallel. It's a, a, a subset of the functionality, but yes, a subset of the functionality. So like, it sends text. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the subset. <laughs> Text can go across a very small uh, subset. A platform, but it's but SMS still, I believe, does not run over IP, right? It's still like SMS. It's still in the like packed in the extra characters of the uh, of the cell signal. Technically, there are some carriers that do on Sly 
run SMS as an IP service and don't tell you. I know it's because like Verizon texts sometimes just work on a plane. Oh. And, when it, and it's like, what? Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, because you're lying to <laughs> Yeah, but there is always a fallback to the wacky extra space in the carrier signal thing. Anyway, let me finish this thought. So you're correct. Function- functionally, it's a little subset. Mm. But the message they're sending is, oh, you're a bunch of iMessage people. You included me. Now all your shit's green. <laughs> Because, yeah, right. That's exactly, so their no, fallback yeah. is an expression of power, right? <laughs> You've devolved to the lesser protocol, and now you live with right. me, the green monster. So <laughs> you're taking a criticism that is, I don't want you to be part of my group text because you'll turn it green, and it's like, make me a part of yeah. your group text, and I will turn it green. You're you're owning it. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like it's I brought you down to my level. <laughs> yeah, it's like a you know how like a common criticism is like that's a lowest common denominator yeah. solution. <laughs> it's like yo, I'm the lowest common What's denominator. <laughs> like it's such a weird move, but I it's 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 weird. Uh, it it's mm-hmm. funny. And it's like a little mm-hmm. sad. Yeah. And as it's perfect for what it like, they can't solve the problem with a technical solution. Mm. <laughs> I know you're gonna talk about RCS uh. and they can't do it. They they've tried. <laughs> like Google can't fix it. Samsung, what's Samsung do? Bixby chat? Like they can't do it. So they're resorting to being like, you know what, we're just gonna make this mm. cool. We're gonna try to make this problem <laughs> seem cool for you. I wanna it's I want a gif where the, the the blue texts are 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 whizzing past the NSA and the NSA is like I can't read them <laughs> and then the green text like look at me <laughs> the green text it's like, the last one of these is like the one they deleted in review is the one that's like I'm a cop <laughs> <laughs> they're like the agency's like cut that one like no don't put that one on the goodie page anyhow. I just love that their choice is to mark it out of it because they can't fix yep. it. Dieter, do you want to make some some noises <laughs> about RCS at this time? No. I mean, look, like, <laughs> RCS messages still show up as blue bubble. They, they don't exist on the iPhone. iPhone doesn't even support mm. it. So it's you still you can't RCS to an iPhone full stop. Uh, Samsung does support RCS uh, in Samsung messages. It has done a reasonably good job of interoperating with everybody that wants to do their own custom version of RCS, AT&T. Um, <laughs> uh, but they also have done a good job of supporting the universal profile. So Samsung is a very good RCS citizen. They have just quietly done the right thing, but they have not pushed hard to make everybody else do the right thing, and I wish they would have. Well, Samsung, they're a good RCS citizen the same way they're a good, RCS, they're a good citizen of every other protocol. Yeah, they just, they're, there's literally they're a all Samsung phone won't do. They're a good Miracast citizen. <laughs> It's, it's cool. I think I think RCS needs a color. I think they should be like black texts or something. Like really edgy. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> RCS is the goth messaging protocol. This is, I like it. I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm saying that we should it, it would be amazing if we all started competing by bubble color. That's well, the way to we do are. It. Like I said, Ashley and Caitlin have have, have Actually, I think you were on an episode of the show about yeah. the green blue box. They asked me to explain RCS, and I, I I did my level best. It was a lot. Yeah. It was a, it was a good episode. So go listen to that if you want to dive into it. But the green bubbles versus blue bubbles, I'm telling you, has gone from basically a joke we make on this show and a thing that people know to an extremely mainstream conversation. Yep. Uh, and the thing that kills me, and I I I have, I hear this a lot. I see it a lot. It's like if your friends are going to make fun of you. For having green bubbles, you should get better friends. Hmm. 
that's like not a choice most teenagers can make. Yeah. Right? Like it's a it's a real phenomenon. It's a real thing they're experiencing. And it's hit the mainstream in a new way. Uh, ben Bajarn, who's a great analyst that we talk to all the time, he's like, I've seen it. Like my teenager in high school, like it's a real thing. Like I, I think one of his kids' friends, he was tweeting like one of his kids' friends was an Android person and he nerded out about Android with Ben because he's like yeah. a tech analyst. And the next time he saw me had an iPhone, he was like, this was just getting too much for me, so I switched. Yeah, the the, the thing was, like, once they see that a, a group text has turned green and been eaten by the Samsung GIF or whatever, yeah. they're like, oh, screw this. And they make a new group without the green person to prevent it from happening again. It's just like, I, I don't think the answer is individually all of us should, all of you should make new friends. Yeah. So it's like, uh, like teenagers have it hard. When I was in high school, I was I was happy that I, like, got to stop eating lunch in the bathroom alone, <laughs> right? Like, I got a friend, and it was great. And, like, if that if that friend had shamed me for being a green bubble, you know what I would have done? Gotten a blue bubble. Yeah. And on some level, it's like some, I don't know, some products are cool and some products aren't, right? Yeah. On another level, it's like the coolness of this product in high school will determine all of your technology purchasing decisions for the rest of your life because you're locked into an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Also, you have their credit card. Also, everything has a slight discount because you have their credit card. Also, they are your television provider and news provider. Like, maybe maybe we should take that a little bit more seriously. Anyway, speaking of names, that's not a segue, but Dieter, you have a little name script today. About oh, no, it was just, they, 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 they pre-reefed a whole bunch of people. But you're the one on the show. Yeah. Oh, so uh, we know the name of Android Q. Yeah. Q stands for 10. That's what that's what it stands for, apparently. Um, so Google's argument is that uh, it turns out that uh, Android is sold around the world, not just in America. There are more people using Android in Brazil than in America. There are way more people using Android in India than in America. So picking the name of an operating system using basically an English name of a dessert seems super weird. They could have chosen another nationality. In fact, I think they were going to for Q. But then they're like, or we could just use numbers because everyone uses the same numbers. Everyone just yeah. uses Roman numerals. Is this a retcon? If there is a dessert with a Q name, would they have just kept going? So here. Internally, the engineers are still going to use the dessert code names. Oh, my God. They're just not going to tell anybody. And there is, in fact, an internal dessert code name for Q. Do you know what it is? Yeah. What is it? Quince, whatever the Brazilian dessert is. Yeah. Which fits, right? It's like Brazilian. There's a thing. Google's yeah. actually put a big focus on Brazil and Android there. Um, and so there is also, I am told, a code name already for R, a.k.a. Android 11, they just won't tell us. And so if you would like to continue playing the guess the dessert guessing game, you are welcome to. Interesting. Heimgartenberg has many feelings about this guessing game. <laughs> um, but the problem is you will never get hard confirmation officially from Google. You will only get soft confirmation of finding it in code or an engineer telling you. But, like, everyone will find out. Uh, maybe. Maybe not. We didn't find out about Q until, like, they finally confirmed it to me, like, on the sly. And they didn't actually confirm it. They're like... You know, like the, the in the code, it's like you see QC, and there's only so many desserts that have a C next to it, and Brazil is a big country. <laughs> it's like, oh, so it's this one, right? Um, so alongside this rename, uh, they also redid the Android word mark mm -hmm. um, to make it uh, way more boring. <laughs> it's better because it's more legible on different size screens, and they've also now decided that the green robot head will always be next to it from now on because they never actually tied those two things together. Um, so now when they, like, the official way to show Android is to show the robot head either above or next to the word Android. 
Okay. And that's where the character comes from. The character comes from the android head, not from, you know, the there's not a closed uh, vertical line on the D in android just to make it look like futury. Now they just have a, a regular looking word that says android. And then next to it, they have a wacky little robot head instead of having a wacky word and no robot head. I see. There you go. This is fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's totally cute. fine. It's cute in the way that Google things are cute, you know? Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. There's a bunch of Apple stuff to talk about. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, where to start Ugh. with Apple Incorporated, which is truly living up to the incorporated in its incorporated <laughs> with this credit card. Uh, let's start there because it's, it, it's, it's funny. Mm. Apple card is out. Everybody can sign up for it. Mm -hmm. I have just too many feelings about having a Goldman Sachs logo in my wallet. Yeah. I, I think you tweeted about this. I tweeted about this. At some point, we have to like – it's an Apple product. Yeah. We're the Verge. We're, we're, we have to review it in some way. Yeah. It's an Apple product, but it's not a tech product. The tech part of it is just that the only way to use it is in an app inside the iPhone. Yes. And not like on the web where you do the rest of your finances probably. Well, there is a bunch of tech. Sure. Right? There's a – uh, Oh, there's like anonymizing tech and stuff like right, that. Right. There's, there's a bunch of like virtual credit card creation database yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. going on. Goldman Sachs bought a company called Final, which is doing a bunch of this stuff. Yeah. There's, like, rumors that a bunch of final tech is sort of, like, working on this stuff. But, yeah, it's a credit card. At the end of the day, it's a machine for creating debt. Yeah. And I I think I've said this before on the show. I tweeted it. But, like, my dad, since I was five years old, has, like, never, ever run a balance in your credit card. It will destroy your life. Yeah. Like well, so is, so is mine. But then I did it. <laughs> uh, and so, like, it's great that it gives you a bunch of tools for managing – credit card balance. And, like, some people legitimately need to run a credit card balance sometimes. That's yeah. fine. But you shouldn't have one, like, permanently. And if you do, you should spend all of your time thinking about how to not have it anymore. Mm, right. And, like, that, I don't know how to acknowledge that. There's nothing new about that with Apple. It's just a different window into I can give a problem. contrast to this. I don't have the Apple card, but I recently got a Bank of America card with some cash back just because, like, 
I I had finally gotten out of all of my debt, and now and, and yeah. now I was Congrats. getting like like dinged for not having floating credit, which is annoying. But I was like, okay, whatever. I'll just have a credit card open just so that they like that 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 I'm part of their system. And so <laughs> so I put uh, uh, some I bought some stuff with the card because you 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 get extra points for, uh, whatever. And so yeah. I bought some stuff with the card. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, I have a Bank of America bank account, which I, through that interface, is how I even applied for the card, right? Like, Bank of America is very aware that I am the same person who has this bank account and has this credit card. And 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 so, okay, yeah. woo coming up on paying my card bill. <laughs> Where's the button to pay the bill? There's no button. You have to set up like it's like setting up a vendor type of payment. You have to like type in all these details about like this Bank of America <laughs> business that you want to send like do a money transfer to Bank of America to pay your bill. There's no just pay off the the balance. It was I was very disappointed. Uh so I have the same same bank uh ran into the same thing and I was like this is stupid. And then I click the transfer button and it's just another account you can transfer funds to and it functionally is the same thing as paying off your credit card. So I just, I use the transfer button. This is what the virtual chest is now. We're helping you use your bank. <laughs> which is super annoying because all of the banks are trying to get you to use Zelle, which is the bank version of PayPal, basically. Um, and so when I go to like pay my credit card, I, I like have to scroll past an ad <laughs> for a crappy bank competitor to PayPal <laughs> every so time. Bad. All this, my point is, yeah, banks that's are bad. all I'm yeah. trying to say. Um, I'm giving they're, you they're, that. They're, they're a deeply necessary mm -hmm. evil in society. Mm -hmm. That's fine. And I, I have a credit card, Paul, uh, master of living <laughs> off the grid. <laughs> Only person I know who quit being on the internet for a full year of his life uh, has one. Like, you need one, right? To, like, function, and it's fine to, like, manage your cash flow with a credit card. The problem is when the debt eats you alive. And, like, everyone knows that. And it... It might be such that Apple helps you manage that better. Just That'd through be cool. visibility. Through visibility. It, I think credit card companies are, are motivated to do some of that stuff too. But it is super weird that it's just a credit card. And I, so, like, am I going to review this interface versus my big bank's interface versus Mint versus any of the other many financial services startups that exist to help you, like, manage this thing? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about it. I'm going to try to get somebody from uh, the Points Guy which is many more people than just one guy, I want to point out, uh, <laughs> on the show soon because I want to talk about the points and reward stuff. Um, I'm not a person who does, like, mm -hmm. point schemes. Uh, my yeah. sister is, uh, but I don't think I should just have <laughs> my sister on the show. Uh, so I want to get somebody from that, from that world to come talk about that aspect of it because I think that's kind of interesting. Neil, you tweeted this. The thing that's weird about the Apple card is, uh, like, on the launch where anybody can go get it, they uh, announced that, oh, yeah, by the way, we're also doing a 3% cashback deal with Uber. Yeah. And it's like, this is the car, this is the thing where you're, like, you're teaming up with Goldman Sachs, like, like. Champion the, of the financial crisis. Yeah, like, destroy the economy, Goldman Sachs. And then also, Uber doesn't have the best reputation. Yeah. Really high voice when I say that. <laughs> it's it's odd. So, uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, which is doing better. You know, they've got Marcus, they've got a new CEO. The financial crisis is, like, 10 years ago. But it was still... I would say a notable event in my lifetime, mm -hmm. uh, seeing as that me and many of my friends graduated from school into the financial mm -hmm. crisis, which is not a great time to be like, <laughs> yeah. I need a job. You know, it's just like, just a memory I have. Uh, but Matt Taibbi uh, very famously described 
he's a writer at Rolling Stone, very famously described Goldman Sachs as uh, a giant vampire squid wrapped around the face of humanity, relentlessly jamming its blood funnel into anything that smells like money. <laughs> and now I, and now I have this logo in my pocket. Is it is the is the logo of a giant squid? <laughs> they should just they should lean into it. That's some like green bubble marketing move right there. Just like change it to a squid. Be like, yep, that's us. Uh, Listen, Eli, you don't have to worry about the logo being in your pocket because eventually you're not going to be able to see it because your whole credit card is going to turn blue and brown from your jeans and your wallet. So that's like the that's actually the news peg to talk about the Apple card. I just have so many emotions. Um, Apple put out a support document this week, how to care for your titanium Apple card. Uh, you're, you are not supposed to put it near leather or <laughs> denim, uh, which is, uh, <laughs> I would say, the environment that credit cards most often live uh, because it will permanently stay in the card. But you are supposed to gently clean it with a cloth from time to time. Yeah, but no chemicals. There's two no possibilities. Well, three possibilities. Three pos- <laughs> possibilities. Apple uh, had no people test the physical card. They just released it straight from the factory. Two. Mm-hmm. They, the, those people that did test the card all do not wear denim nor have leather wallets. <laughs> I mean, Apple's like famously the yeah. company with jeans. No, it's a stretch, right? but maybe yeah. they selected for us very special. Or they well, selected. Are right. you a khaki well, guy? Because the other idea is that my theory of how Apple te- Apple puts its products in a completely. sterile room, like an Apple store, but with everything removed from it. And, and, and they, they test their products in a complete and total vacuum. And so of course, nobody ever put it in a wallet or in jeans because, you know, that's not acceptable in the clean room. You want to know my theory? What's that? Deep down in his heart, Johnny Ives knows that Apple shouldn't make a credit card. He he like sabotaged it. He sabotaged it. I think that their goal is to make you not have this card, right? The point of the Apple card is is absolutely not the physical card. It has the lowest returns. Yep. Right? So if you use the card, you get 1%. If you use Apple Pay, you get 2 If you buy Uber, you get 3 If you buy stuff from uh, Apple itself, you get 3 But they obviously are incentivizing right. you to use the Apple Pay, and that's what they want. And, like, so this card is an accessory. It's, like, the backup. So you're supposed to, I think, keep it in, like, a Ziploc <laughs> baggie in case of emergency. Right. You know, like, let me get my Apple card. Like your spare key for your car. I, I think Ben Thompson called it, uh, it's almost a parody of an early 2000s Apple product. Right. right. Like, it's it's just hilarious. Like, the thing, it's 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 not designed for the environment mm. that it will live in. And it's, like, very funny to me. Anyway, that's the Apple card. Uh, I'm very sorry that I have so many feelings about it. Uh, I promise I will write something about it eventually because I have it. Apple's one of the most influential tech companies in the world. We should probably evaluate it in some way. Mm-hmm. If you have ideas on how you I want me to evaluate it, I just a numeric score, Neelai. <laughs> Are you saying seven <laughs> yeah. and a half out of ten? I don't know. It's, it's you should evaluate its card. privacy. That's yeah. worth it. You should evaluate the, the complete... It, so there's this arbitration clause, right? Most, cl- most credit cards have this, I imagine. It's true. You're not allowed to sue them, but you can opt out of it and so that you are allowed to sue them if you want to. But yes. you need to tell them, I opt out. And what's wild to me is you can opt out of the Goldman Sachs arbitration clause by just texting them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, know, you don't have to write a letter. You don't have to send an email. You don't have to, like, sign a form on so, DocuSign. So, Chase, very famously, you have to send them a physical letter, and there was a deadline. The deadline's passed. Yeah. So if you, if you did not, like— Print out this form letter and mail it to Chase. You are bound by the arbitration clause. Right. 
with Apple, like, yes, you, like, open the support window. It's, like, a fake iMessage screen. Yeah. Right? And then, like, forward you to Goldman Sachs, and, like, some poor Goldman Sachs person clicks a button in your account. Right. Okay. That, that's very nice. I That's cool. I'm happy that that exists. Yeah, review that. <laughs> okay. I don't know how to do Six. that. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I'm working on it. Again, if there's something you want to ask me or there's something you're interested in, please let me know. I'm trying to figure it out, but it is it is challenging for me to think of a thing that creates debt in this way because I literally entered the workforce in the middle of a financial crisis. That's just me personally. Maybe you're having a different experience. There's other Apple news. It's much more exciting. There is so much. So Mark Gurman over at Bloomberg uh, dropped his traditional, uh, here's everything that Apple's going to announce at the fall event and maybe for the next six months story. And uh, it's a bunch of stuff that we had been thinking was going to happen and a couple new things. So going to be called the iPhone Pro, uh, triple rear cameras for better light performance, reverse wireless charging. Face ID will actually work if it's sitting on a table. There'll be a matte version. They're getting rid of 3D touch, like a ton. Then there's going to be a new version of the iPad with bigger cameras. That 16-inch MacBook Pro is going to come. The Apple Watch is confirmed, or not confirmed, but we're pretty sure it seems like it's going to be basically the same thing. It'll just come in a couple of you know new materials. We might get noise-canceling AirPods. They're finally going to make the HomePod they should have made in the first place, just like a million things. Uh, iOS 13 beta hints that it's going to be September 10th. There's a bunch of news, just a ton of it. And this is all, like, it all landed basically today in a way that we feel is more definitive. Like, all of these rumors have been trickling for the most part in. Now it seems like we've got a pretty decent run of show. We'll see what actually shows up in September. I'm very interested to see the 16-inch Macro Pro actually shows up. Yeah, so am I. I think a lot of people are anticipating it. A lot of people, there were, even at the last Apple event, mm-hmm. People are, like, whispering about it. I got the sense, uh, especially after the last rev of Mac stuff, that it was probably getting pushed to 2020. That was, like, the vibe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, obviously the big question is the keyboard. Yep. How long has Apple been 100% confident that they need a 100% new keyboard? Like, because they were they were trying to make it work for a while there. Yeah, yeah. Like, wh- yeah. when did Apple know? I mean— not that keyboards, uh, it seems like they should be a solved problem. But Apple, of course, is going to want to use all new materials and like some novel new mechanism or something like that. I hope, I hope they try to make a better keyboard. Yeah. I mean, I think they've known for a while and I think they've been doing these like weird incremental upgrades of like, now there's a layer of rubber. Mm-hmm. Now it's made out of mystery. <laughs> the now mystery it, metal is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Now it, now it comes imbued with hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. Like, like they've been doing that sort of like iterative approach. Mm-hmm. Now, now it comes with a warranty recall out of the box. <laughs> so, like, uh, so I, I mean, I think it's in parallel track. So, like, I'm very curious if the 16-inch MacBook Pro arrives. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will be stoked for it. Uh, German's report like kind of front loaded these rumors with in an effort to increase revenue, they're putting out more products faster. Yeah. Um, so this is a great way to spike Mac revenue because so many people are waiting for it. Getting that Mac Pro out on time. I think a lot of people are going to buy that thing. So if that's really – you have to buy it if that's what yeah. they want to do. But when does any company not want to make more money? So yeah. maybe they do want to do that. What's interesting is you're more excited for the MacBook Pro because you have an aging <laughs> MacBook Pro and it, it's a need that you have. I'm actually more interested in the um, iPhones uh, in their cameras. There's going to be a triple camera array. Uh, having just reviewed the Note – you know, I reviewed the Pixel. I reviewed the pretty good camera on the OnePlus 7. Um, I currently own an iPhone XR. They're all, like, 
in the zone of like really good smartphone cameras. Uh, but I also have an RX100, which is in a completely different zone. And I would like to see smartphone cameras like level up. Mm-hmm. We have, it is a miracle that like the Pixel 3 brought us to the level that we're at and everyone has got very close to that. And then Apple has done as well as it has with video and like Samsung got very close to that, right? All of that is miraculous. But I don't know, I'm used to the miracle now. And I want the thing that actually makes me go, why do I own this RX100? Yeah. That's what I want. And so the rumor is that they're going to combine the wide angle with the regular and do some computational stuff. It's going to be better at low light, which is an area they've been a little bit behind in. And they're even going to do wacky stuff like if a person is cut off because the wide angle will catch it, they can like kind of add them back in a little bit, which is sort of funny. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All I know is I would like to see – I don't know if it's actually going to happen this year, but if Apple's going to actually justify calling these things pro, they need to do something pretty special with that camera, I think. I don't. No? You just think they're just going to call it pro? I think they're just going to call it pro. And I don't think think they even need to. I think they need to just, like, a MacBook Pro and a MacBook Air, uh, like the 13-inch Pro, the, Mm -hmm. the, the base model and the Air, are they're so close, right? Like, we've had this conversation. Yeah. What makes that thing pro? It's like a slightly zippier processor and a slightly better display. Yeah. All right. Well, you can do exactly that thing with an iPhone, right? Okay. Right. It's sure. it, it, yeah. Maybe it won't even have a slightly zippier processor because they tend not to do that. Like the 10R has effectively the same processor as the 10S. Yeah. But it'll have a better display. It has slightly better cameras. This display does HDR with X and it's a brightness and that one. Like right. these are games Apple is very comfortable playing. But okay. So – this is like a really common trope that I used to uh, be annoyed at. People are like, oh, phones are boring now. I was like, actually, no, they're like still increasing at a pretty steady clip and like there's still cool stuff happening. Uh, you maybe don't need to buy one every year, but like there's still cool stuff happening. And for the first time with the Note 10 Plus, I'm like, 10% better than this is like, would be nice. And the next time I buy a phone, I'll be glad it's there, but it's not going to make me go, holy crap. Yeah. And I feel like if all the actions are on cameras and they're they're putting these giant cube square bumps on the backs of phones now. That's all coming. If you're going to do that, you need to justify it more because I can get something that is 80% as good as what you can get out of an iPhone XS out of something that doesn't have a, you know, insane bump on the back of it. And that's fine. I think Apple's just in the in the trickle-down stage of these phones. Yeah. Right? They, they need to make one at the, at the sort of accessible price point. They're going to make one that's more expensive mm-hmm. over time that like, I, I would bet the iPhone 11 has two cameras in the back, whereas the 10R only has one. Right. Right? So I, I think you can just, like, see that process going. Yeah. I, the thing about the camera to me, and I, I agree with you, like, you put this in, in your note review. I, I think I've stuck this in some reviews lately. If you have a phone and you like it and you have a $1,000, which is, like, you're doing great. Yeah. Um, and you all you want is better photos, like, go buy an RX100. Mm-hmm. Buy, buy the new Panasonic thing. Like, there's a new Canon that's, like, pretty good. Uh, sp- spend your money there because you will get substantially better photos that let you do all kinds of other things with them. Mm-hmm. Every photo I take of my kid with the phone, I'm like, well, I'm glad I have the photo. That's good. It exists. Best camera is the one you have with you. But I wish I had my real camera. Right. And that, to me, is like – except for video. Right. Right? Like, the the iPhone video functionality is, is far – it's more convenient, and it's also, I think, the best video any phone takes. Um, so you add more cameras. What I want is, like, 
I want more resolution. I want better low light performance. I want a little bit of like, I don't know if anybody sees this as as much as I do. I see it. I just can't not see it. There's like a, there's still like a haze over iPhone photos. Mm. Like because they very specifically, and I don't mean like that old nasty mobile phone haze. Um, They've obviously gotten far away from that. I mean, they, because smart HDR is so aggressive, these photos lack contrast. Oh, sure, yeah, sure. And so, like, they just seem really flat to me in a way that seems, like, hazy. Mm-hmm. And so every the first thing I do with every iPhone photo is, like, I up the contrast. Yeah. And I, like, This is why so, much, so many of us prefer the Pixel 3 is they, like, they get that balance a little bit better. Right, they just seem crisper. And it's, like, it's a, it's a trick. Like, I'm not saying that they might actually be crisper or there's more detail, but, like, it's the first thing I see. And I think... They just got to process a better photo. And the noise reduction is out of control. I can complain about phone photos all day and all night. But, like, that's what I'm seeing. Like, they're going to add the third lens. I hope they use that third lens not just to let you zoom out, but to actually increase the detail, contrast, noise reduction of the existing photos because they've plateaued. Yeah. And that's, like, a thing. Yep. No, that's my feeling. Plateau. I want us to. I want us to start climbing again, and like yeah. the 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 angle of that climb, I want it to be sharper and steeper. And then the Pixel Four will have two lenses. We'll see what happens with the Google's Pixel always 4. just going to have yeah. one less lens, but better processing than Apple. It's just like the curve <laughs> that they're on. I don't know how to. I feel like this Apple TV Plus news. It's going to cost ten bucks a month. It's going to launch. Yeah. The game service price leaked. It's like six bucks a month or something. I think it was f- yeah five, five or six. Yeah, they've got to be letting that stuff slide out so that when they announce the bundle, everyone it seems like, really good. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. They're going to yeah. announce the phone and the iPhone upgrade. I mean, I think the dream. And I, a lot of people have have said this out loud. I think uh, Lance Ulanoff was tweeting about it. Ben Thompson has talked about it. MG Siegler has talked about it. like the idea is that you pay Apple. I don't know, like one hundred fifty bucks a month, and you get you know that's your phone payment. You get a new phone every year. That's all their services. That's your blood money for iCloud. Like it's just all <laughs> the stuff. And like you, that's a very that's a very tempting recurring yeah. revenue bundle for Apple. I, I imagine that's what they're going to do. And then if you don't want that, you can get some a la carte services. Yeah. So right now it's Apple Music is uh, ten bucks. Apple News Plus is ten bucks. Apple TV Plus is rumored to be ten bucks. Apple Arcade is rumored to be five bucks. I think it's still a rumor, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, the most reasonable iCloud plan is 200 gigs, and that's 3 bucks. And then the most reasonable upgrade program iPhone that I think is for the good one is the iPhone XS 256. That's 56 bucks. So you're looking at, like, 80, 90 bucks for, like, give me everything Apple makes. Yeah. So if they could bundle that down to, like, 75 bucks, sure. Yeah. Or they, or they just bundle it for like 90 bucks you know what i mean like <laughs> it's tim cook he's like he's running a bank now he's like and a little big on top for me like let's do it um i i think they're gonna do that i i, I can't imagine they don't make that play it's such an obvious move for them yeah and cook has spent so much time talking about how people perceive their trade-in phone is financing the next one how upgrading process needs to get easier mm-hmm. like he's spent on every earnings call he's like I'm convinced consumers see the trade-in value of their phone as financing towards the next phone. He says it every time. I don't agree with him because it implies that people are are a little bit dumber than I think they are. Like, mm. I bought this phone for $1,000. I'm going to give it to you, and the price of my next phone will be lower by $400. I don't think anyone's like, I'm financing my new f-. You know what I mean? Like, I think they're just like, this phone is worth $400. Yeah. Yeah, they see it that way. Although it does – it does significantly change the calculus for just, like, my lizard brain. Yeah. So, for example, Samsung offered a, a big uh, $600 trade-in value for a Galaxy S10 to get a Note 10. 
And I went from like, oh my God, $950 for this thing to, oh, hey, $350 for this thing. Yeah. Right. And like it, it made a difference and made it more likely that I was like, oh, I might, I might want to do this. So I agree with you that I disagree with Tim Cook, but there is a kernel of truth there that it changes the way people think about their purchase in some way. Yeah. Yeah. So we're looking at early September for the, for all this to happen. Oh yeah. No, the, the, uh, iOS 13 apparently had a reference to September 10th, which is the least surprising yeah, day that it could be because it's like the Tuesday or whatever. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We got to talk. There's a little grab bag of stuff let's talk about. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Paul Miller. Mm-hmm. Every week. That's right. The consistency <laughs> blows me away. I was, I was like away last week. Uh-huh. And I was like, something's missing. That's right. It's and it was that I didn't have this fixed weekly, constant in my life. Yeah. The weekly segment is called, Are There No Laws for Hype Beasts? <laughs> As you know. <laughs> and <laughs> so. Yes, that's what I thought to myself. <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't really get the whole Hype Beast thing. But I know that there is a brand called Supreme, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and. Just please correct me if I'm wrong. Supreme puts its brand on things and then they sell those things because they could look kind of cool with Supreme on them. And they also kind of make them like sort of limited edition. Is that correct? All of this is correct. Okay. Well, so Supreme. Directionally correct. Supreme has put its brand on a, like what they're calling a burner phone. It's a, it's a, it's a burner. It's a, it's a, it's a phone that's made by blue. It's got a keypad. It's got like the old timey hang up and, and, and call buttons and like a D pad and a low res screen in the middle. And probably like whatever cheapest camera exists on the planet on the back. Um, but of course the photo is red with a Supreme logo, or you could get it in black with a, a big Supreme logo on the back. Um, also your phone's uh, wallpaper has the Supreme logo centered in the middle. And so here's my confusion. It has Supreme on it, but it also yeah. still has the blue logo and uh, no offense to blue. Blue is really <laughs> cool in that they make very, very cheap phones, but it's not a prestige brand. So what I'm confused about is what is the, if the whole concept of Supreme is around a brand and they put their brand next to the brand of blue, I feel like that harms the Supreme brand. Am I 
incorrect. I think the Supreme brand is so powerful. I was going to say. It just yeah. boosts everything around it. So now Supreme blue, brand is blue, resilient. Blue is like cool cheap now. No, like, like blue might not uh, get any shine off of being next to Supreme, but Supreme definitely cannot be hurt by blue. Okay. You Supreme throw is the brand where right like a uh, fake Supreme started in, in Europe and then Samsung partnered with the fake Supreme. By accident? Mm. Because they, they thought Supreme was cool and then the real Supreme was like, what are you doing? And they defeated Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, they're good. I think blue phones are like, if you, like they're a phone read marker. I don't know what you would call that. Mm-hmm. They like do badge engineering. They're like, here are some phones from the Alibaba catalog. Now they're blue phones. Like they're just going to be that company. So if you just want to get access to phones mm. to make to make quote unquote make phones, mm. they're, they're they're the ones. All right. Well, as long as you're convinced it's legal, <laughs> who am I <laughs> to, to answer your question? Who am to I answer to answer your question this week uh, in the interest of consistency? Because I know it's a kind of a call and response thing we do. Right. Uh, there are no laws for hypebeasts. Oh, okay. Right. The answer this week is no. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, Paul. You want to? Uh, there's new Intel stuff. Yeah. Some new laptops. Walk us through it. So, so we're all looking forward to uh, this holiday season. Intel is going to have its first 10 nanometer laptop chips, Ice Lake, right? Yeah. I think you're gonna, I think there's going to be like four of them total available for purchase yeah, there, is my There hunch. will be yeah. a handful of not, Ice Lakes. Not, not four brands, <laughs> not four kinds of laptops. Literally four of them yes. will make it to yes. Best Buy shelves. It's a, it's, it's, yeah. it's a limited edition. Kind of like Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> Supreme. <laughs> okay. So because – Yeah. Intel's strategy to save itself right. uh, is Supreme <laughs> drops of processors. Okay. So whether or not th- th- there's completely constrained supply – Ice Lake also doesn't really hit all of the different types of laptops uh, uh, you would you would want to make. It, for whatever reason, Intel is also making a new 14 nanometer chip called yeah. Comet Lake. Yeah. So 14 nanometers is the process that we're currently on. So this is a you know another revision of an already kind of long in the tooth kind of processor, but they're doing some kind of cool stuff. There's also a really helpful chart that they made because now it's up to you to decide, do you want an Ice Lake machine or a Comet Lake machine given all things being equal? Um, So here's the table. Ice Lake. So imagine a table, four cells across the top. You've got Ice Lake, Comet Lake, right? Yep. Ice Lake on intelligent performance bringing AI to the PC at scale. Ice Lake on stunning entertainment, generational leap in entertainment. Now, mm. best connectivity, that goes across both. So now let's run down the Comet Lake column. On intelligent performance, productivity powerhouse. On stunning uh-huh. entertainment, immersive entertainment. Great. All this, <laughs> all this completely okay. clears it up. Wait, wait, so, wait, wait. It's immersive versus what now? Generational leap versus immersive. Bringing AI to the PC at scale versus productivity powerhouse. As far as I can tell. <laughs> so here, all of that suggests <laughs> one is fast and one is slow, right? Yeah. At no, the that, end of the day, it's like productivity powerhouse means like well, it, it'll do Excel. Here, like, here's the up. wild yeah. thing. As far as like, obviously we're not, we don't actually have these in our hands. We don't totally know. But the basic, what the word on the street and from a reading and non-tech, it sounds like basically Ice Lake for GPU 
Comet Lake for CPU. Comet Lake is going to go, Comet Lake is the 14 nanometer one, is going to go yep. up to like a six core Core i7, which is is, yeah. is going to be the most cores ever for that, that like wattage of like the 15 to 25 watt kind of chip, the kind of the, the sweet spot for laptops. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. Ice Lake has a newer like a GPU generation. Uh, and so it's going to be better for AI at to the, to the PC at scale um, and um, for for gaming and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but so that's interesting. Also is interesting is there, they are, they kind of backported some technology, some like new um, RAM stuff. So you're going to have faster RAM now in Comet Lake yeah. than you've been able to get. So well, that's pretty exciting. I, I, I read that that backporting process isn't like an easy, simple thing for them to do. So they're, they're still, uh, investing significant R&D into 14 nanometer, which is a pretty good sign that they're not just about to switch everything over to 10. And because 14 nanometer, like, it makes sense that it can get more horsepower in the CPU than the 10 in some ways because they've, they've been doing it longer, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it is unlikely that the in the way that um, ARM chips are like, oh, it's on the smaller uh, you know, nanometer now, obviously that's better. Mm. I don't think that applies to uh, to Intel, and it won't for quite a while. Because they're doing, like, weird hybrid stuff, right? Yeah. It's just confusing. And so Intel's solution for solving all of this is they've created a new thing. Instead of Ultrabooks, they have Athena. Uh, uh-huh. They didn't actually want to, like, make this a brand name, but we basically demanded that they did. Like, Sean Hollister personally <laughs> was like, this is stupid, you should give it a name, and they did. <laughs> <laughs> and it's their guarantee that a laptop will... Uh, have a certain amount of battery life and uh, like a bare minimum of a performance and thickness and so on and so forth. So you should be able to look for an Athena-ready laptop and know that you're going to get a laptop that's going to get, I think it's like 10 hours of battery life or something. And that, in theory, could be the thing that cuts through this needing to know the various versions of the lakes, potentially, for the average user. I don't know if this is true. I don't mm. know that Intel actually believes that this is what they're trying to do, but there is a chance, a sliver of hope that going to buy a laptop won't be a nightmare of looking at spec sheets. You could just say, is it Athena? Cool. I like the, I like the shape of this one. I'm done. I don't think that's likely, but there's a tiny hope. Well, the, it, it's really, you can't look at spec sheets anymore because of like the, a lot of these chips, they're, they're, they're 15 watt, and then they have like a an up configuration that the manufacturer can set up to 25 yep. watt. So a laptop given the exact same Core i7 processor based on the thermals and configuration that the manufacturer chooses will have different performance from laptop to laptop. And if the manufacturer overshoots it and they try to make it run at a higher power level and then it hits thermal throttling then you'll have terrible performance in very specific scenarios so there's that confusion as well so like you i think we're really at the point where if you you need to know your workload and then yeah and then talk to an expert who can choose the real <laughs> cpu for you basically in do conclusion you buy an ipad pca ai <laughs> at, at scale <laughs> Yeah. What if you want AI 8K and 5G? Oh, my God. <laughs> Keep dreaming, <laughs> bucko. Uh. <laughs> All right, last little thing I want to talk about. Uh, there's a Sonos event on Monday. Yep. They announced it. Uh, I think you guys talked about it last week. 
Yeah, we talked about the fact that the FCC announced what they're going to announce at the end. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. I mean, it, that used to happen so often that we had, remember at Engadget, we had an FCC bot? Yeah. That just like pinged the FCC every day and emailed us what, what had happened. Uh, Good times. Then, mm-hmm. uh, then people figured it out. There's a there's a service of a bunch of different websites that just crawl the FTC and give you a better, or the FCC. They crawl the FCC and give you a nicer uh, interface for the FCC's website. No, oh. because it's all you know public free information yeah. in the public domain. So what are just, we uh, doing? Yeah, let's set up an automated gadget blog. Yeah, let's go full Andrew Yang on this thing. I mean, there's a there's a million automated New York Times crossword uh, solver blogs. They just like they get the .puzz file, they parse it, and they just Make a million blog Are, posts for each puzzle. There's a dot anyway, puzz file, file format. <laughs> yeah, that's very like exciting. We should have done an hour and ten minutes on dot puzz. Uh, that'll be next week on the Vergecast. Uh, on the interview episode, we're going to get the creator of dot puzz. Actually, uh, rival got, format I, Zuzzle. I, uh, I I actually have a really good guest for you on on this topic. On if dot you puzz? want, I really do. <laughs> Are you? He makes you America's. He made the, he made the onion crossword that American Family Values. He wrote some really spicy editorials about crossword uh, open sourcing and domain and, and is .puzz an open source format? Yeah, are they? Are they? So is, is there? The, I'm asking: Is there a commercial variant called Zuzzle? Because I, that's out? the format war I want in my life. There's like the open web .puzz people, and then there's like the proprietary Zuzzle people. You understand that this is my dream. <laughs> Like Zuzzle has like some Man. extra kind of cool functionality. You can do like a like a <laughs> diagonal word and stuff. <laughs> Zuzzle has like Zuzzle's fully encrypted, but there's a lock-in problem. Yeah, yeah. okay. There's like a bu- uh, puzzle is like patent encumbered. Uh, anyway, just <laughs> you guys are so mean. Ben Tossig is genuinely cool, and he I'm sure he is. Yeah. I just want him to have an we're evil making, rival. Okay. We're not making fun of him. We're making fun of RCS. <laughs> 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 Anyhow, I don't know how we got here from Bluetooth speakers, but we did. I'm so sorry. It's the Vergecast, everybody. Uh, there's an event on Monday. I'm very excited for this product. To front run this event, Bose announced uh, a speaker that has everything. Uh, except for like Sonos compatibility. Except for Sonos compatibility, but there's a new uh, Bose speaker. It has Google Assistant, it has AirPlay 2, uh, it has Cast, it has Spotify Connect. I think this is a super interesting upcoming market mm-hmm. where you have this sort of like dockable speaker. Like, this is a thing people want. People tweeted us about it. Yeah. Like, where can I get this thing that isn't Sonos? I am shocked that Apple, which knows that AirPods are its best seller. Yeah. And is rumored to be making a cheaper HomePod. Mm-hmm. Has not made a product like this that lives in like the H1 ecosystem. Yeah, right where it's like it's AirPlay two when it's sitting on its dock and you pull it off and it instantly iCloud Bluetooths to your phone. Like that's the thing they should make. They Every totally should. Apple person would buy that instead of buying their like ridiculously overpriced HomePod. Yep. But I think Sonos is going to be a bunch. I'm super excited about that thing. But and because it's the Vergecast, I'm just going to say yeah. that the biggest problem with all of this stuff is you are still in an ecosystem lock-in because at some point you need to set up the rooms in your house. And once you do that, once you set up the rooms in your house, that is your ecosystem for the rest of your life. You either do it in Alexa or Google Assistant or HomeKit. And once you do that, that's what you want to use because it's a pain in the ass to do it again. Yeah. Although I did sort of like accidentally switch from Alexa to Google Assistant. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, like literally we bought the HomeHub and it has the photos. Right. And so I was like, well, I want that thing around. 
And it's that next to our Alexa. Do you think it like sniffed out your network and like figured it out like in a dirty way? Yeah. <laughs> I will I, say that the Google. I think I just now. slowly we just slowly started using it more. So I like finally like did the thing where I set up the rooms. Yeah, and then it was done. Okay, but like I think probably very few people set up both assistants, use them both for a while, and then like phase one out. Like, I mean that's that's, that's that's where I'm at right now. Maximum. Nerdiness. I had to rename one of my lights because I used the word kitchen in it, and so Google refused to believe that it wasn't in the kitchen because it was called the kitchen strip, <laughs> and I didn't want it in the kitchen room because I wanted it to stay yeah. on. It was a whole thing. Wouldn't work. And I was like, what if I rename it? And it just worked. Of course. The smart home stuff is very complicated and very weird. Mm -hmm. uh, and I realized bizarrely had two DHCP servers on my network because Verizon insists on running one. And you have to, like, get into it to make it stop. So I had two, and I didn't realize it because Verizon doesn't tell you. It's just going to always mm -hmm. do it. And so bizarre, like, things would just magically stop working until I realized I had two secret subnets on my network. Yeah. Well, so this is why I'm intrigued by Sonos and why I'm actually kind of in, intrigued and impressed with the Bose is they both know their limits, right? Yeah. Sonos is like, we're going to do the music stuff and there'll be some assistant stuff, but we're just going to ask those folks to handle it. We know how to make a music network. And Bose is like, we know how to make good speakers and we'll support all the protocols and stuff, but we're not going to try and like create the Bose digital assistant, right? The Bose yeah. whatever. So I think the thing about these Bluetooth Wi-Fi speakers that is really interesting to me, I mean, it's great. It's, like, convenient, right? Like, But once you have a Bluetooth speaker, it it's all it can be. You know what I mean? Like, you you can take it out, and you're like, I don't know, you've got a Jeep Wrangler, you, you, the doors are off, you're at the beach, you're doing Bluetooth stuff. Like, uh, is, that how, is that what the kids do now? They're, they're TikToking, whatever it is. Um, but like yeah, like you like live that out out of your house lifestyle, and then you get back in your house, and you've got this like parallel ecosystem of music stuff. Right. And this investment is worthless to you yep. in that environment. Mm -hmm. I think the idea that that investment will get more value by connecting to the other the other music solutions is really powerful because you'll just you'll want to have that investment. You're like, okay, I'm gonna take it and go with me. That's at least my expectation. I kind of wish this thing didn't have microphones. Oh yeah. Like I don't. I don't need it to have microphones when it leaves the house. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. There's a rumored Sonos one that doesn't have microphones, but it's like a Play 1 upgrade. Okay. We'll see. All right. Anyway, I just wanted to end on a hopeful note after that depressing Zuzzle conversation. <laughs> Patents, Paul. <laughs> we should just make up fake evil companies all the time. <laughs> what are we doing? That's what this show should be. We're starting a new podcast, everyone. It's a narrative fiction podcast about evil proprietary companies. That's most of science fiction. Anyway, that's the Vergecast. We'll be back next week. Uh, we got the interview show on Tuesdays. That's a real thing. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, thank you to Senator Bennett. That was a really fun conversation this week. Listen to that if you haven't. Uh, we're, we're trying to get more 2020 candidates. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, we got the chat show on Fridays. We're going to just keep going and going and going. You can tweet at us. I'm Matt Reckless. Paul's at Future Paul. Dieter's at Backline. I would actually really appreciate your thoughts on, on how we should evaluate the Apple card. Uh, we're going to go talk to somebody at the Point Sky. It's going to happen. We're working on it. But um, what do you want from us? I'm very curious about it. So hit, hit us up with that. Danny Deal is back on the YouTube channel with Future of Music, her series about the future of music. That show is one of my favorite things that we do. Danny has access to all kinds of incredible people. She got Charlie XCX on this season, which is very exciting. Her first episode is about Eric Prydz's hollow sphere. You just got to see it. It's a giant LED sphere that he performs in. And she got to see him build it, which is awesome. So go check that out. It's on the YouTube channel. You can check out Pivot with Kara and Scott Galloway, which is really a fun show. I actually saw a live taping of that this week, which was really entertaining. You can check out Recode Media with Peter Kafka, Recode Decode with Kara, 
Check out Land of the Giants, which is Jason Del Rey's show about the rise of Amazon right now. And you should catch up on all of Why'd You Push That Button, which is wrapped up season three. It's the best season of that show we've ever done. Ashley and Caitlin did a great job. So check that out when you can. And we'll see you next week. Rock and roll. Paul. Kesney. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.